now listening to the Paul McGuire Report. This is Paul McGuire. On today's program, we're going to touch on what is generally called Good Friday by Christians all around the world. We're also going to talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and probably punctuate that, or to say it in reverse, punctuate the truth above and beyond that, especially in light of current events. You know, it's it's amazing that every time you get prepared to do a program on Good Friday or the resurrection of Jesus Christ, uh, there's a, always seems to be some kind of news event that attempts to uh, garnish everyone's attention. And of course, the, the backdrop uh, for us as Christians this week, the, back, the backdrop of the important truths, such as the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the most important truths that exist in our reality. And by our reality, I mean our real world, the physical real world that we live in. So we have a former president of the United States being arraigned. Um, man, it's uh, somewhat, it should be perceived as a tragedy f- from anyone from whatever political perspective. A tragedy because America has come to a place where the, the very basic truths and foundations of America are quickly, I mean, very quickly eroding or dissolving, if you will, right before our eyes. But before, before those truths began to dissolve before our eyes, there, there was something uh, occurring in what we call the spiritual world or the invisible realm, which had changed. And when that had changed, it gave permission, if you will, for other events to happen. So what am I talking about? What I'm talking about is this. The basic truths upon which our nation was founded, such as the Bill of Rights, the Constitution, the various freedoms we have, when we began to eat away at our own foundation, a foundation, however imperfectly, based on the truth in God's Word, when we began to eat away at that foundation, it's then and there, and we're talking about the, the acceleration of that occurring about 70 years ago or so, but the, the basic foundations of America began to accelerate in their disintegration uh, long before today and tomorrow. They really put up a mirror to the basic problem in America and around the world, and that is the rejection of truth and the reception of an era, a spiritual era and a philosophical era and a logical era. So if you go back to around 2,000 years ago or so, you had the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 to 4. He said, For I delivered to you first all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. So the Apostle Paul, over 2,000 years ago, is talking about the fact that there were so many prophesies that prophecies that predicted uh, not only the death of Jesus Christ, 
but the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the reality and the truthfulness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, where if you uh, submit it in a, in a just court case um, and you provided ample room for witnesses and testimonies, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, you would see the evidence overwhelmingly testifies to the factual nature of Christ's resurrection, and the evidence overwhelmingly testifies to the factual nature of the fact that he was put in a tomb surrounded by the, the toughest of the Roman guards who surrounded the tomb, and then a giant boulder rock was placed in the doorway of the tomb, and that blocked the only en- entrance or exit into the tomb. And they were scared, the enemies of the gospel were scared that the Christians would conspire to steal the body. And what happened was, when they moved the, the boulder away, or when they noticed the boulder was moved away, and they looked inside the tomb, the tomb was empty. I mean, Jesus Christ was no longer in that tomb. Some of his burial cloths were left there. There were two angels in the tomb. And they, they told the followers of Christ, why are you looking for Jesus Christ inside the tomb? Don't you remember that he said that he, he would resurrect from the dead? And so Christ did just what he said he would do. He resurrected from the dead. Now that changes all of human history forever. From the moment that happened to the present moment, until however long it will be until Christ returns. The reality is that the resurrection of Jesus Christ has transformed our reality forever. It has essentially rendered the the ridiculous ideas of things like a global reset and all the other lies, because that's what they are, they're lies. Um, All the other lies, those lies have been exposed to the light of Jesus Christ. It's the light of Jesus Christ, which is the truth of Jesus Christ. And that impacts today. So even though in the political realm and in the media realm and other realms, there's constant chaos, a constant attempt to erode the the structure, the Judeo-Christian structure upon which our nation was built. And so the words of Paul have more meaning and power today than they did when he first spoke them as powerful as that, as that was. The resurrection of Jesus Christ forever alters history. It, it, it puts a period at the end of the, the sentence. There's no alternative theory that, that even comes close to working. There's no competitive uh, set of religious beliefs that, that has even a remote chance of, of presenting itself as being true. So when we read 1 Corinthians 15, 10 uh, to 14, it says, But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly that they all, yet not I, but the grace of God was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach and so you believed. Now, if Christ preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? 
We have people saying that today all over the world. Who, who, without any factual evidence, without any foundational truths, just blab away and say there is no resurrection from the dead. But it says, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and our faith is also empty. So the entire claims of Christianity, the entire claims of the Bible and a biblical worldview are built on the rock-solid foundation of the fact that Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead as he preached that he would be resurrected from the dead. And even though there are challengers to that fact, even today, um, now if Christ preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? Like the, like the guys and the girls who are putting together the, the global reset. They don't believe in a resurrection from the dead because they are going to try to make a, a digital resurrection. A digital resurrection is a virtual resurrection. A digital resurrection is a virtual resurrection, and a virtual resurrection ultimately is not a real resurrection. It's a digital resurrection. Thus, it's artificial. It's an artificial resurrection. And an artificial resurrection brings you to a synthetic eternity. And a synthetic eternity is not a real eternity. It's salvation minus eternal life. You'll have a robot brain plugged into a hive mind, and you won't exist in a brand new, perfect, glorified body, the one that Christ is going to give you. The, the nanosecond you die, you will leave this world, and you will be before the presence of the Lord in a brand new, glorified body. It won't be an artificial, glorified body. It won't be a genetically engineered or DNA-reconfigured glorified body. It will be a glorified body because it will be part of the divine will and the divine power of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. And there's no intellectual rebuttal. There's no intellectual, philosophical, or theological counterattack, if you will. There's no place to run. There's no place to hide from the truth that Jesus Christ is Lord. We live in a fantasy world. So you can call it whatever you want to call it. You can call it a virtual world. You can call it uh, an artificial world, a synthetic world. You can call it any, any kind of name you choose to, but that doesn't make it real. It doesn't validate uh, the truthfulness of, of it. And, and transhumanism, when you get right down to it, is, is a counterfeit gospel. It's a gospel that says man is the savior, and man's technology and man's science will save him or her or whatever they choose to call themselves. But that is not final reality. That is not true truth. That's a, a fantasy world, a virtual world. It's a, it's a low-budget metaverse. And who in the heck wants to live in a low-budget metaverse? This is the Paul McGuire Report on Paul McGuire. I want to live in a world built by the Creator, capital C, because He's already built the world, and it was beautiful. It was called Paradise, the Garden of Eden. It was splendid and magnificent, beyond any attempt at description. 
We'll be back in a moment. Make sure you visit paulmcguire.us. We talk about the resurrection, the fantasy resurrection versus the real resurrection in my book, Power from on High. So visit paulmcguire.us. We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to the Paul McGuire Report. So when we continue reading about the resurrection of Christ from the dead, and we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, verse 20 to verse 22, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. In Christ all shall be made alive. Well, what, what, what is he talking about? Well, we know what he's talking about here. One, the, the fact is established that Christ is risen from the dead. And he became, Christ, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, which is just another way of saying died. So you can interchange the word uh, fallen asleep for died or death. For since by man came death, when they disobeyed the word of God in the Garden of Eden, um, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. I mean, you've got a problem. Mankind has a problem. The human race have a problem. The transhumanists have a massive problem. This present world system has a massive problem. The problem is, and this, I, I was obsessed with this as a young kid, even though I was raised in an atheist and humanistic household, but I was tortured by the fact that I knew, even as a young kid, I knew that inevitably uh, I was going to die, this life, life would end. That was an inevitable fact. There was no way to avoid it. Now, transhumanists think they can, they can uh, dodge that bullet. They can't dodge it. Their resurrection will be a counterfeit synthetic resurrection. Their heaven will be a counterfeit of the kingdom of heaven. And what they will use uh, as a substitute is they will attempt to create some kind of digital resurrection, digital heaven, digital salvation. Well, they won't call it salvation because they don't believe they're sinners. And they will use man's technologies and man's sciences, including genetic engineering or whatever, in a vain or foolish attempt to create an artificial or man-made paradise, a man-made salvation, and a man-made heaven. And that's what they're doing right now. And it's going to be a fiasco. It's going to be Nightmare on Elm Street, part 224. It's going to be a massacre. Because it's a manifestation of the death force. What is the death force? The death force is what was released in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve chose, Eve first, to reject the word of God, to listen to the serpent of old, and eat from the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden. When Adam and Eve did that, they activated the law of sin and death, which activated the death force. And so, Everything on this planet, planet Earth, including the Garden of Eden and the animals and other human beings and all living things, and even nature itself, comes under not the original force of beauty and majesty and glory, which is how God created his world, but they will attempt to 
tap into that death force once again. The, the, it's almost an electrical pull, but it's a power. It's the power of death and the power of evil. And we would be wise in our generation, especially since our generation is that generation that Christ talked about in the last days. He was talking about that generation. What generation was that? The generation that saw all those things, the miracles of God. So the transhumanists are attempting to digitally recreate heaven and paradise and immortality and eternal life and solve the problem of biological death by replacing. You know, if it comes right down to it, they fully intend to replace the the biological power of death with a man-made counterfeit power of life. But that will require a death, and they're not telling you this. And the death that it will require is yours and every human being alive. Because in order for you to have their counterfeit resurrection body, you're going to have to die. And um, the, the real you will be replaced by the artificial you. So, um, when it says in the final verse, in verse 22, or as in Adam all die, Every person is going to die. Nobody misses that. And the only way to escape death is to receive God's free offer of salvation in Jesus Christ, which is based on a factual uh, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which paid the penalty for all of our sins if we choose to receive that free pardon, that, that payment of the penalty in full which was done by the death of Christ, and we're cleansed from our sins by the blood of Jesus Christ, if we choose to receive it by faith. That's what this is all about. It's not a game. This is, what we're in now is real reality. It's not a digital reality. Oh yeah, we have lots of digital toys. We have entertainment metaverses, mainly made in China. Think about it. Would you trust the integrity of a metaverse that you're invited to join, although it'll cost you everything. Do you think that the communist Chinese, that they're the most qualified? What do you think their metaverse would be like? I'll tell you what it would be like. It would be like hell on earth. Let that sink into your mind real good, because that's what it is, hell on earth. You want to see how hell on earth, it always worked. The dynamic is the same year after year, nation after nation, it always goes down the same way. The question is whether or not you're listening. And this is how it goes down. All men and women die one way or the other. We all kick the bucket. But if we die and we have not received forgiveness of sins by putting our faith in the blood of Jesus Christ and the death of Jesus Christ, if we have not put our faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, And when we die, we go to a bad place. It's a real place. It's not a a digital hell. It's not a multiverse hell. It's not a, uh, um, a virtual hell. It's a real hell. And I think there's a lot of people who have never really bothered to contemplate what a real hell would be like. It would be beyond our ability to to describe it in terms of its 
eternal horrors. And, and the, the horror of it all is that it's real, and it doesn't go away. And you and I have to deal with it, but, but there's a way out. No matter what you're going through, there's a way out. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus Christ is the Savior. He was a real Savior. He is a real Savior. And heaven and hell are two different real destination points, if you look at them from the context of what Francis Sha- Dr. Francis Schaeffer called true truth or final reality versus artificial truth or artificial reality, where man, in, in his transhumanist mode, attempts to, to create his own artificial heaven and artificial DNA and so on and so forth. But it's a lousy substitute. Okay, this is the Paul McGuire Report. I'm Paul McGuire. We'll be back in a moment to apply the truth of the resurrection, the reality of the resurrection, to, to the mirage that we're being uh, presented with, to the spiritual deception that we're being presented with. Visit paulmcguire.us. We'll be back in just a moment. You are listening to the Paul McGuire Report. I'm Paul McGuire. So, the fact that Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead provides the proof, the 100% proof, of the reality of the Christian faith. It is the risen Christ. It's the fact that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead that separates Christ from all the gurus and spiritual teachers and uh, ashrams and mantras and the New Age movement and occultic movements and so on and so forth. If you compare and contrast the reality of Christ's resurrection with all the other spiritual paths, which I do in my book, Power from One Eye, because I lived through a large percentage of all these false but alternative paths, all these deceptive ways to God, which are in reality not ways to God at all. I tell what I went through in Power from One Eye, because I discovered the reality of the risen Christ. In the middle of rebelling from Christ, in the middle of of fleeing a Christian religious retreat, in the middle of nowhere, I was I had made I went there to find out about Christ. When I got there, I saw a miniature apocalypse of of a debased social gospel where people couldn't even answer the most minimal questions about Jesus. And so I left. What was the point of going there? to listen to a bunch of sorority girls and fraternity guys, you know, have date night or whatever. Uh, what's the point of that? There was no point at all. So I, I left because what I saw was false. Now, Jesus wasn't false, but the religion that was wrapped all around Jesus was false. Just like it is today. You say, well, what do you mean by that? What I mean by that is a large percentage of the stuff that is called Christianity or the Christian religion or the faith or whatever, a large percentage of all that stuff, if it's not in the Bible, if it's not in the Scripture, then all that stuff is nothing more than stuff. It's not true. 
It is its own alternative reality. But it's not the truth. It's a false Christianity. It's a false gospel. In contrast to the risen Christ, which represents the reality uh, of our faith. And, you know, there are so many ways that somebody who calls themselves a Christian or whatever can depart from that pathway to truth. So many little off-ramps, so many little detours you can take in life, especially the detour of believing in the, the numerous false gospels. So, for example, when you talk about critical race theory, which was developed, it's a historical fact for crying out loud. If I have to talk to another airhead who insists that they're serving the Messiah, but in reality, they're peddling an artificial gospel created by militant Marxist professors in 1917 who were trained in communist Russia by the KGB, and then they went to uh, Germany and set up the infamous Frankfurt School, also known as the German Schools of Theological Higher Criticism. And higher criticism is a methodology for hacking away at the truth of God's Word and replacing it with lies and falsehoods based on the teachings of Karl Marx, the father of the Communist Manifesto. And it's communism. And communism is intertwined with Satanism. That's a bad deal to accept that. And you can see the fruit of that in any nation that has embraced that. Any nation that went from Christianity to communism, just check out the level of their freedoms, etc., etc. And maybe check out the level of our freedoms, etc., etc. Because even as I talk, we see our freedoms under attack. So what? So they can replace it with an artificial world, a virtual reality. Let me read you something again from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Um, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the Twelve. After that, he was seen by over five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present but some have fallen asleep, spiritually fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, by all the apostles. The last of all, he was seen by me also, as by one born out of due time. And of course, he's speaking of himself, the Apostle Paul. For I am the least of the apostles, whom am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the Church of God, but by grace of but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was in me, which was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. So the Apostle Paul is talking about the fact that it's the 
It was the unmerited power of Jesus Christ operating through him, which supernaturally enabled the Apostle Paul to preach the gospel. And when you hear the gospel being preached, like some of you are hearing the gospel being preached now, this very second, some of you have heard the gospel earlier in your lifetime. But the point is, when you hear the gospel, God expects from you an appropriate response. And the appropriate response that God expects from you is that you put your faith, that you receive, and that you believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because when you believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, you release the supernatural power from God. That's why I wrote my new book, Power from On High. Because you can't do anything. The Apostle Paul couldn't do anything without power from on high. And power from on high comes from Jesus Christ. The risen Christ, our hope. Now, the proof of power from on high there's proof. This is not, you know, Wacky World Part 3 on the internet or something like that. This is a proven hope because there's historical, spiritual, theological, physical evidence that Christ resurrected from the dead. And uh, despite the fact that some people say that he didn't resurrect from the dead, the overwhelming proof, the historical evidence, in front of many eyewitnesses, the proof is that Jesus Christ did resurrect from the dead. So Paul continues when he says, But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. So, so you know, you can choose to believe in Christ or choose to disbelieve in Christ. You'll pay the consequences for whatever choice you, you make. But, but the whole foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the whole foundation of the claims of Jesus Christ and the Apostle Paul, the foundation, they're built on the foundation of truth. And the truth is, Christ did resurrect from the dead. And that's what sets Jesus Christ completely apart, again, from all the other spiritual teachers, gurus, you know, Kundalini spirit summoners, you know, the multiplicity. There's a lot of false pathways designed by the powers of darkness to lead you into a virtual, mythological, fantasy world as a counterfeit of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But every man and every woman has an enemy, and that enemy is death, and Paul addresses that. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive, but each one in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, afterwards those who are Christ's at his coming. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom of God to the Father, when he pulls an end to all rule and authority and power. For he must reign, till he has put all enemies under his feet. 
The last enemy that will be destroyed is death, for he has put all things under his feet. But when he, has, when he says all things are put under him, it is evident that he who put all things under him is exempted. Now when all things are made subject to him, then the Son himself will also be subject to him, who put all things under him, that God may be all in all. I mean, it's very, very matter-of-fact. This is the way it is. You can, again, you can attempt to, to reinvent your own world, like the global reset people want to do. But that's a, that's, that's, a, that's a false, that's a counterfeit digital resurrection. You don't want a digital resurrection, because a digital resurrection is an artificial resurrection. You want a real resurrection, because a real resurrection brings you instantaneously real eternal life, and you will live in a real paradise called heaven with the real God, the biblical God. And there is no, I mean, you can read the book of Revelation and see the incredible descriptions of what heaven will be like, and it's nothing. It it vastly surpasses the, the, the dribblings, the pigeon droppings. If you've ever walked around Manhattan, New York City, you would know graphically what I mean by pigeon droppings. But that's what the Global Reset is giving you. Pigeon droppings. Transhumanist pigeon droppings disguised as deep thinking. It's not deep thinking. It's the same old lie. It's communism rebranded. That's why they stopped using, once again, the term New World Order. And they went for a change in their brand name. And they call it the Global Reset. But the Global Reset is a counterfeit. Just like the New World Order is a—it's Babylon. Babylon is a whore. She's not a faithful wife. Some of you want to marry Babylon. It's not going to be a good thing for you. Whether you're marrying the system of Babylon or an individual that represents Babylon, Babylon's not a good thing for you. You don't want to be in Babylon. You want to be in the New Jerusalem. You want to have real, valid eternal life, not counterfeit eternal life. Okay, let's look at what else the Apostle Paul and Jesus Christ. Now, this is interesting. So immediately following this, these statements, um, the Apostle Paul makes talks about uh, a glorious body. What is he talking about? Well, let's read from the Word. But someone will say, how are the dead raised up? And what body do they come? Foolish one, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. And what you sow, you do not sow that the body that shall be, but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he pleases, and to each seed its its own body. Notice that God is an absolute super genius when it comes to genetics and DNA. He has it down. God is the master, creator, and designer of DNA and the genetic code. He doesn't need a little help from Yuval Noah Harari of the Global Reset or Klaus or Professor Klaus Schwab. I was tempted to say slob because it rhymes with Schwab. I'll leave it there and let you decide. All flesh is not the same flesh. This is a basic genetic lesson, by the way. All flesh is not the same flesh. Or we could say in, in modern English, every species of living thing uh, is not 
the same living species. That's what the Bible's saying. God has no hang-ups. Since he created everything, he knows how it works. But there is one kind of flesh of men that infers that because there's one kind of flesh of men, that also infers that there's one kind of genetic code specifically for human men and women. Very important. God understands this. There is one kind of flesh or DNA of men and another flesh of animals, another of fish and another of birds. What is he talking about? He's talking about the obvious, DNA and the genetic code. You don't have a DNA or a genetic code for, um, I don't know, a donkey and expect to see it give birth to a human, unless the Global Reset people have tampered with the, the genetic coding. So, in verse 40, there are also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies. That's a big hint. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. To, to, for one star differs from another star in glory. You see, God is a deep thinker. He's not a flatliner like so many Christian religious people. They're flatliners. God is revealing something very powerful and majestic in this passage of Scripture. And we're getting a glimmer of light from the Word of God that's giving us a revelation of what eternal life, the glory of eternal life. And that's why the actual, see, man, mankind, they want your kids to, to eat crushed up bugs. This is not a joke. That's what they're doing. They're crushing up bugs, and then they'll put some flavor enhancer chemical in them, and then your kids are going to eat them, along with the, the exotic sexual education they're receiving. And I don't mean that in a complimentary way at all. I mean it in a way of Tragedy, tragedy that has come upon our kids, eating bugs, and then the content of some of the lessons is worse than eating bugs. It's like rot. It's, it's evidence of something that's rotted right in front of you. Have you ever smelled something that's died, like, a, like a, a rat dying in the walls of a house or something? A small rat dying in the walls of a house. I know it's disgusting, um, but it illustrates the point. The, the, the stench of a dead rat dead in the walls of a house. You say, well, what house? You can guess what house. Figure it out. When we were living in the Hollywood Hills up in the mountains, down on Hollywood, which is filled with plenty of rats, we had to get rid of a rat. I don't even know if you can do that anymore. I don't even know if it's legal to get rid of a rat. In any case, the stench, to, to my naiveness as a person, it's a repulsive, the smell of death, whether human or animal, is, is, can be, depending upon the timing and the situation, absolutely repulsive. Because of what it is. Now, when we read these verses, we're not reading about the stench of a dead rat. We're reading about the glory of God's creation in celestial bodies like the moon and the stars and the sun, as well as terrestrial bodies, which means the glory of God evident 
in, in earthbound, in his earthbound creation. There is one glory of the sun. So this is the beauty, the majesty of God's creation. The global reset, these people have no comprehension of glory and majesty and beauty and things of that nature. And we, what kind of mind do you think it takes to, to mass-produce bugs and use them as mandatory protein substitutes in meals? What kind of mind conceives that? That's the same kind of mind that would potentially do something to somebody in strange ways. You can figure out that out. You know what I'm talking about. And ways that ultimately uh, can be very harmful. So, in contrast, God, what God creates is glorious, it's majestic, it's beautiful. You notice God didn't give Adam and Eve bugs to eat and other, other opportunities at, at corrupting themselves. And so, as it continues on, uh, there is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. Everything that God created in the universe and in this world and this planet, when God has created it, before man comes in and tries to turn it into virtual reality, God creates it as beautiful, and it's filled with his glory. And if you pay attention, when you walk around in this life, despite its challenges and adversities, trials, and temptations, when you walk around in this reality, God allows all of us, no matter how tough it gets, God allows all of us to see glimmers and snapshots of his glory and his presence. I write about how you can discover that in your life. In my book, Power from One Eye. And you won't find it in dead religion. Dead religion has a clear hallmark of evidence. Just like God's hallmark of evidence is his glory being poured out. Dead religious Christianity, which is devoid of the life of God, devoid of the glory of God, it leaves the evidence that death leaves like a dead wall, a dead rat in the walls up in the Hollywood Hills. It's an, it's an atrocious smell. You may say, well, haven't you ever smelled a dead rat? No, actually, I never had. Growing up in New York City, I never smelled a dead rat. <laughs> and I thank God for it. But in the Hollywood Hills, there were lots of stuff besides dead rats, bur- dead rats buried up in those hills. I'll tell you, but I won't tell you now. I'll give you a hint, and I'm not, this is not a cheap ploy to, to, to sell you the book, Power from One Eye. But I do tell some of the secrets, some of the secrets of, of the Hollywood Hills in Power from One Eye. Because, because death always produces a stench, a foulness. You know why? You know why. Because it's corrupting. Death is a corrupting force. And the death force, or the, 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 the activation of the law of sin and death, which Adam and Eve activated, produces a stench, a smell of decay. What is the decay? It's death. It's a manifestation of death. Death is not a good thing, according to God. And that's why when you're saved, the nanosecond you die is the nanosecond you get your brand new glorified body. filled. And guess what? Your brand new glorified body, let's, let's play a, a game called synonyms. Synonyms, as you well know, is, are two different words, but they say the same thing. Okay? So a synonym would be a word that could have two 
uh, identical applications. So that's a synonym. Now, a synonym is that, in this spiritual truth, is that the glory of God, why does God keep talking about glory? And then, let me read this to you. This, this, the Word of God is bursting with light and hope and power and the force that resurrected from Jesus Christ from the dead. So whatever you're going through, whatever traffic jam you're stuck in in life right now, let God give you the strength to go through it, overcome it, or trodden it down, take it down in the name of Jesus, and embrace the glory of God by praying to Jesus Christ according to his word. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption, and it is raised in incorruption. Well, that's really simple. The body, your body that you live in, is sown or created in corruption. That means your body, from the moment you die, the moment you're born in your fallen human nature, you, you are on a pathway to death. Your, your body is dying the moment you came, before you came out of the womb. And so the body, it says, according to the Bible, the body sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. What's incorruption? Incorruption would be a synonym for something that has not been corrupted. It, in this case, a synonym for glory. And think about what Jesus Christ told his disciples. By the way, the actual definition of disciple, for those that get tri tripped up theologically regarding disciple, and they want to relegate the term disciple in an over-religious sense. The term disciple simply means somebody who has chosen to pick up and follow the disciplines of Jesus Christ. So to be a disciple is to be somebody who uh, picks up the disciplines of Jesus Christ. And what does that mean? Well, what it means is that if you're, you are qualified to receive the word disciple. The disciple doesn't just refer to the people that were with Jesus. Disciple refers to anyone who surrenders their life to Jesus Christ and picks up the disciplines of Jesus Christ. So it says, the body is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. So that means it's raised, that means when you resurrect from the dead, the second you die, you're sown like a seed, but you're instantaneously raised in incorruption or glory. Now, if you follow that through with the language and the theme of the Bible, Jesus Christ told his disciples, and that would include those that accept the, accept the disciplines of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ told his disciples, that they should tarry in Jerusalem till God the Father sends, until God the Father clothes them with power from on high. What would it be like? What would it be like to clothe, to be clothed with power from on high? It you would be clothed in the glory of God, the majesty of God, and that's why I wrote the book titled "Power from On High," because a, a, a spiritual warrior who's naked, weak. Uh, and running around scared because he or she knows that they're naked and weak, 
is a spiritual disciple that is in desperate need of being clothed with power from on high. You don't have to be a Looney Tunes wacko to be filled with power from on high. You don't have to run around like a certifiable nut job to be filled with power from on high. You can have all gears working, fully functional in your brain. You can have an activated, loaded for bear mind of Christ. You don't have to be a nut to be filled with power from on high. That's a, that's a disturbance in the force, and that's a pun. I'm not preaching the doctrine of occultism derived from you know, the, the personal beliefs of the, the writer of Star Wars. That's not worth my source. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. Spiritual body. Okay. It is sown in dishonor. That means shame. Death. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. What, what is the truth that God wants you to reach out and grab right now? Reach out and grab this truth with a vengeance. Grab it. You're not seeing it. You're believing God for his promises. And so, when you sow your natural body, and it's raised as a spiritual body, it is um, clothed in the glory of God. It's clothed in the power of God. You say, well, where does it say that? Right in front of your face. It says in verse 43, it is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is raised in power. You're supposed to be filled with power from on high. That doesn't mean you're perfect. It doesn't mean you're going to be running around jacked up like you've had you know, eight cups of coffee all the time. It simply means, by faith, you have power from on high. And so, as it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first. He's giving us a principle. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterward the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man, what does he mean by made of dust? The actual microscopic minerals, the carbon, and the other compounds, uh, the water, the hydrogen, uh, the other compounds of our universe and our world, are the building blocks of God's creation. That's why he was able to create uh, Adam and Eve out of the dust. And in Eve's case, God was trying to illustrate something. So it's not just a, a uh, mythology that God used Eve's rib in creation, Adam's rib in the creation of Eve. God was illustrating a genetic DNA reality. and. So it says, and as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. What does that mean? It means if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, when you're resurrected from the dead, you are no longer a man or a woman of the dust. The dust. You are now becoming, you will have become the, the person you were created to become, in the image of God, genetically in the image of God, and you will be clothed with power from one high. You will be clothed in the majesty and glory of God. All of this, by the way, all of this integrates into the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 
It is precisely because you and I have accepted forgiveness of sins by faith in the blood of Jesus. It is precisely because you and I have accepted our free gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. It is because of those two truths and any applicable truths that we have been made into new men and new women in Christ Jesus. That is what the resurrection of Jesus Christ is. The resurrection of Jesus Christ alters and transfigures the future and our reality forever and ever and ever, for all eternity. And God is inviting you to join in on it. All you have to do is reach out and receive it by faith. And I encourage you to help me spread this message far and wide. It's the only answer for America, by the way, and the only answer for the world. But I need you to partner with me in your financial gifts and contributions, in being a spiritual prayer warrior, and helping to spread the Word of God, which is spread through this ministry. And I thank each and every one of you for your faithfulness. Because remember this, one of the things that you're entitled to partake in as a man or a woman of God is that when Jesus Christ returns to earth at the second coming, with the armies of heaven with him, he's riding a white horse where it says, faithful and true. Faithful and true. God is sending a message about his character even as he descends upon a fallen planet Earth to finally defeat the forces of Satan and Lucifer. And he defeats them because he's faithful and he's true. And it's the truth of Jesus Christ versus the lies of Lucifer, which is the ultimate foundation of this battle. God bless you. This is Paul McGuire. Visit paulmcguire.us. That's paulmcguire.us. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.